Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan. And together with my co-host, Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. It's Monday, 18th of January, and Man United is still top of the league. Let that sink in for a moment. It wasn't that long ago when we went down 6-1 at home to Spurs. This time last year, after 18 games, we had 25 points versus 52 for Liverpool. That's a difference of 27 points. Now we're three points ahead of them. We're unbeaten in 16 games away from home and Liverpool are 67 games unbeaten at Anfield. Was this always going to be a draw? I mean, we've done, we've had three nil-nil draws in the last five games at Anfield. It was nil-nil. Was this a missed opportunity or a point gained? In the virtual studio today, we have two of the biggest Reds I know, the people's pundit, Chris Curley. Hello, Ben. And the uncompromising Daniel Riley. I'm your host, handsome Ben Paul. And this is the Man United Redcast. So, missed opportunity or three points gained? Dan Riley, what do you think? I I think a, a, a small part of me thinks there was a, a slight missed opportunity at, at, at a moment in the second half, but I can't be too greedy and... You must always look at Anfield. Anfield's always, always been a very, very difficult place to go. Even when we were flying high, you know, winning titles, we, we'd go there and, and come unstuck. So to go there and with a very, um, you know, with a team that isn't as good as Liverpool's, let's be honest, we went there, we put on a good performance. I think, I think, I think there was a clear plan to not go and 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 be out of the game in the first 15 20 minutes so it was cautious and in the second half we 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 came into the game we we looked like a team that was competing for the title and i think it was a great point and i and i, and I think yes perhaps we could have maybe pressed a little bit but then who knows we if we pressed a bit if we got a bit harder maybe that missed opportunity would have become a defeat so i'm i'm more than happy with the result yesterday, even though it was a cagey game, I thought it was a very interesting game, and uh, I and I enjoyed it because you know what? It's great when we're competing and we're not, you know, just going there and and, and making up the numbers. So I, I I was really pleased. Yeah, it was quite enjoyable. I mean, look, we went there last season, we lost two nil, and it was a flattering scoreline at two nil. We could have been beaten a lot more convincingly. Um, they had two midfielders as centre halves. Their front three aren't really firing at the moment. 
was this a chance that we could have taken, really grabbed hold of, Chris, that, to actually put one over on the old enemy? I mean, I've been excited. I was nervous all week. I woke up Sunday nerves, nervous. I was, I was snapping around the house. I realised it was nerves. And I missed that feeling because I felt 36 again. We hadn't had it for such a long time. <laughs> and I think, so I was happy with the point before the game. I think, because that would be massive progress from where we've been before going to Anfield when we've been embarrassed and walloped and, and made us all feel incredibly depressed. So the progress in effectively six months is massive at Old Trafford with Ollie. And we should always give him credit. I've always been an Ollie in fan. But having said that, I've woken up this morning going, that was a missed opportunity, you know, because Liverpool aren't at it. I thought Henderson and Fabinho played really well. They kept a high line. They didn't change their tactics. We didn't really um, threaten them as much as I thought we should have or could have done. I thought at the back we were very strong. Uh, Luke Shaw's best performance in the United shirt, and I am not a Luke Shaw fan, but I thought he was outstanding. And, um, you know, hopefully he'll he'll charge reasonable uh, rental prices for Mo Salah living in his pocket. <laughs> Didn't you get on holiday with Luke Shaw once? Uh, well, on holiday, I met him in Marbella. I met him in Marbella in a bar. And all I'll say is he was just after he signed and he never bought a drink. He never bought a drink. And cost I- me a fortune. Cost me a fortune because over there you have £500 bottles of vodka. I was like, what? No one told you that. So you stumped up 500 quid for a pet for a, for a bottle of me vodka? Me and a couple of friends. I, w- I will share the burden. Yeah. I mean, he he never- barely, I don't think he was allowed in there. I think he was still 17. He might have still been 17. What? So- <laughs> So you've been going to bars with underage men again, but so he listen. He up again. We all know something I can bring up, and I will. I will bring it up, and I will bring it up. And it's not <laughs> anything. I promise you, it's not. It's something else. Just say, just a little, just a friendly warning. For people who think we're just three random people thrown together by a United podcast. Me, Chris and Dan, we've got what we've known each other twenty odd years. Gone to many, many games, home and away. Um, we know, we know deep, we know dark things. We know dark things. Um, so I would, I'd love no, it. Sure. Hold on a minute. Can I just say, not that dark, listener, dear listener, <laughs> not that dark at all. The darkest man among us is the man who doth protested so much. Of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the so coming back to Luke Shaw, he was probably on 50, 50 grand, hundred grand a week at that point as he started off United. Couldn't even be bothered to buy. Couldn't even be. Was too tight to buy a bottle of vodka. But but man of the match. I mean, Dan, was he your man of the match, Luke Shaw? And if so, why? Um, I think he was. I think he was man of the match. I think he was the. Um, he was the the. He was probably our most assured defender and uh, kind of going forward as well. He was. Uh, he was. A, he was a threat. Um, it was a hard one because um, I think a lot of there was a lot of players I think who were who who put in a really solid performance, um, and so yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd go along with that. I think I think he the 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 difference in him when you watch him is 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 incredible. It is it's almost like watching a different player. Um, the the level of and I think it's confidence, isn't it? I mean, it's just it. You know, we we knew he was talented because he showed that when he was a, a youngster coming coming through the ranks and and had a really good first season with Southampton. I mean, it's finally like it's finally twigged. Um, you know, things have 
come into play. So yeah, I'd go along with the, with Shaw there. I mean, he's he's come on quite a bit, and defensively, he, I thought he was brilliant. He was composing the ball. He can still do much more in the attack in the attacking third, though. He can still be a bit more courageous in his passing. I feel you know he did set up the um, chance for Bruno in the last fifteen minutes, which Allison saved. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wished he'd dink, he'd have tried dinking it to Cavani at the back post because Cavani's going to benefit by stuff in the air, I think, when we're crossing the ball. And that's, I'm sure, wan it's not really their thing. Um, and that was the frustration yesterday, is that there were still moments where we we, you know, we could believe we could win the game. In the first 25 minutes, Liverpool were always going to come out strong. But we weren't, had the belief on the ball to try and um, counter their press. Yet when we did break um, their first press, which they're brilliant at, the best in the world at, for three or four years, openings occurred and then we rushed and weren't composed enough and sloppy with that final decision-making. And that's a that's not an ability thing because we know they've got the ability. That's a psychological thing. And that's about belief that they can take on the best teams, make the best decisions, rather than having this um, panic to their play at times, which slowly dissipated as the game went on and wore on. And they started to believe they could do some damage. And to be honest, when you think about the better chances in the match, United had them, and and you know if we'd have nicked it one nil, um, you'd have that would have made sense. We could have nicked it. Um, coming back to a couple of good points you made there, I mean we did lack rhythm. Liverpool are incredible at breaking down play um, and breaking the moves, and we we sh- we could have we could have taken advantage of that a little bit more. I think the the chances that we missed. You talked about um, Luke Luke Shaw assisting. Bruno, he could have done a bit better. There's the Pogba, the Pogba one at the end, which he just needed to keep low and hard. That could have been so, we could have so smashed and grabbed it then. Um, but Rashford, he had an opportunity at the end. He went for it. He could have dinked it right to Pogba and he could have dinked it left to Cavani. He made the wrong choice. He's a bit off the pace at the moment. Isn't he, isn't he Rashford? Is it because he's been played out of position? Because let's face it, the front three played, none of them played in the position they're most comfortable in. Pogba played on the, started on the right. He's better, more comfortable on the left. Rashford's more comfortable on the left. Martial's more comfortable in the centre. I mean, they tactically... Well, well Ollie's compromising the team and putting players in their best positions to get Pogba into the team somehow. That's clear. I mean, Rashford, I think we can all agree Rashford's position is left wing, right? And he's not a centre-forward. And, you know, crying out for a Mark Hughes type um, yesterday to hold the ball up and stick his backside into the centre-half and, and and throw a few punches, frankly, at Jordan Henderson. We're missing that. With Rashford up front, he's got to try and... He's not played there for a while. He hasn't got the physical presence for it on his own. So that chance he had when he went through, I think Cavani was the dummy run and he fancied his chances with his pace to beat Fabinho when the gap was made. And but Fabinho showed you how quick he was. It's so quick. I thought it was fifty-fifty that one. I don't blame him too much for that. But but Dan, do you think tactically we got it spot on yesterday for what we're after? I don't know. Well, I read I read an interesting article this morning in the um, uh, by the by the Telegraph's tactical uh, a, a analyst, and these guys often see things that um, I don't. And he he spoke about how Pogba was brought into to kind of negate the threat of Robertson. Um, and and that he'd sort of that was a kind of a, a plan of Ollie's because Robertson <coughs> is 
often Liverpool's most attacking player. Um, and I think, you know, looking back, it, 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 it did, you know, that did work. I just, the only thing I felt was that with that kind of uh, uh, in and around the sort of 70 minute mark, I just felt like maybe Van der Beek could have come in just to add a, just to give us something else, a little bit of something. I mean, I'm still a little bit mystified as to his absence. It, it you know, I, I looked at that game and I thought there's a player who can definitely bring something to this match where openings seem to be happening and I kind of maybe would have sacrificed one of Fred or um, or McTominay and, and seen if he could have come in and, and done something. But I'm not going to... Who, who am I to criticise Ollie? The debate one is interesting when, you know, he played those, couple, those two or three league games, Hampton, and there was one at home. And he played really well in a two with Fred, I think he was. And then he's not really played since. And I, I like him for his continuity uh, and his pressing. Uh, in terms of his passing, his continuity of passing, he, he, he simple terms, he keeps the ball and passes it to a red shirt all the time. Whereas, you know, one of the things we did yesterday was give the ball a bit away too easily. Um, certainly in that first that first half hour of the match, and it settled down. And that was the pro- the first half hour. Trent and Robbo Robertson was getting were, were getting forward. I mean, if Firmino had laid Robertson in in the first twenty minutes instead of taking the shot on then, you know, he was clear on goal with a clear shot. So, it's interesting, Van der Beek. I think he's, he needs to get his games, and I think he will get his games. You know, you've got Sheffield United coming up, Fulham on Wednesday. There are opportunities there to, to play him. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and, you know, we think Bruno's tired, and Bruno might need to miss a game soon. Well, that's the point. Bruno is knackered, and it's clear. And we cannot overuse him when we have done. I think Fulham, the next game, we surely... We can we can slip Van der Beek into that very position. He can play, he can play that role really well. Can he not? He can. I just would. I just wouldn't be so sure that you know. If you want to make the benefit of getting a point at Anfield, you've got to beat Fulham. And I would still play Bruno against Fulham. I might because uh, it's an away game, and Fulham are better than you think. You know, they gave Liverpool a tough time. They gave Chelsea a tough time at Craven Cottage. They're physical. They're mobile. I might maybe think about resting Bruno for Sheffield United next week, really, when it's at home. And I would expect us to beat Sheffield United without needing Fernandez. But he's so looks a week. He looks knackered now, and we've got um, Fulham and then Liverpool. Well, the cup game on Sunday is interesting about what if people will change their team a bit because will Liverpool rotate um, in any degree? I don't. I'm not so sure. Their bench. One of the things that was a noticeable difference yesterday was our bench was far stronger than Liverpool's. And that hasn't been something we've been able to say for the last couple of years. Slowly that bench has evolved to become, you know, giving Oli great options of bringing Cavani, Greenwood, Van der Beek on. Well, they're uh, playing on fumes. Now, if they don't make any January transfers, I'll be quite shocked because they're playing on fumes. To, to, you know, with two centre-halves at, at centre-backs, they, they, they can't really rest key players. So, did it before, but teams who win the title drop off. It's really hard, you, you know, it's very hard. Very few teams have retained the title. We've done it three times, but very few teams have been able to do it. Um, and I think that they are, I remember also, you know, that front three is 28, 29 now. They're a bit older. They've been going hard at it for three or four years. Um, they may have, you know, as Ollie said, to use a quote at Liverpool, he talked about us, was when you reach the top of, the top of Everest, if you don't do anything, you're going to go cold and you're going to die. 
And I think they've reached the top of Everest. And it's like, well, what's next for us? That's the challenge. And that's difficult for teams. That's always been difficult for teams. And, you know, they could they could be six Liverpool soon. You know, Everton have got a game in hand on them. Villa have got three games in hand on them. Um, but we don't, you know, all, all the better for it. I just want to make sure all those scousers who booked open top buses um, lose their deposits. Yep. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back very shortly. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Man United podcast. I'm Ben Paul. With me is Chris Curley and Dan Riley. Um, if there are any fans, if only there were fans in the studio, you'd get rousing applause there. Um, news just in. Inter Miami have just signed a brand new manager. Who is it? Not Phil Neville. It's Phil Neville. <laughs> How did he get that job? Oh, my goodness. How did he get it? I have no idea. (laughs) um... Wow. I mean, I I saw him being linked with it the other day. And, uh, yeah, I mean... I just like the idea, though, of Phil Neville, like, in a a Corvette driving down Miami Beach with his shades on and Gloria Esteban playing as he's going off to work. (laughs) <laughs> I I just think that's like oh, it's, it's like a glove I mean you can just see in front page of the sun every single day can't you in and out rolling out of different clubs every night different links with different Miami based um, female celebrities of, of note no, does though wear a sports jacket I know this for a fact he still wears a sports jacket and rolls his sleeves up <laughs> I know this for a fact so he is going to fit right in over there is that, is that Beckham's club Yes. Yeah. Keep up, Dan. Keep up. I mean, yeah. that's what we were all implying through the whole of that. <laughs> How did he get that? So uh, this week we have to say a very sad goodbye to um, to Fosu Mensa and one of the best chances, one of the best uh, chants on the terraces that I've ever uh, come across. So um, no more going Fosu Mensa. Uh, when you said that, I thought you were talking about your goldfish. No, it's a very sad goodbye. Or oh, Colin Um But Fosu Mensa, uh, one and a half million. How shit are we at business? I mean, you can you can't buy anything for one and a half million these days in football. <laughs> wow. Where's it? Where's he gone? He's gone to buy a Leverkusen. Right. Yeah. Can you see any? Can you see any fresh blood coming to Old Trafford this month? No. Uh, wow. Which is a shame because. If you think about what I think we're still missing, right, which is the centre-half we all talked about, and it is someone to play in the right wing, they were Ollie's top two priorities in the summer window. 
and we've still not got them. And I think if we had them, and if we had a Sancho on that right wing, a proper right winger who's comfortable out there, not an inverted one that likes to cut inside, then who knows where we'll be? Well, I'll know where we'll be. We'll be we'd have got more points if we were on more games. So I think it's proof to be told is back the manager. And if Ollie wants someone who's available in January to push us over the line, then then they, then they should get him. Well, and, I, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Armadillo, but um, a thirty-seven million pound purchase for for a nineteen-year-old that's barely played. Well, clearly, they think he's someone. And clearly, talking about business. Clearly, spending that amount of money on someone that young, they think he's good. But we need someone to go straight into the team right now. Yeah, no, no. I wonder if he. I wonder him if him or Palistri could actually uh, could debut in the next month or two. I think it's Monday, so I think they're playing for the under twenty threes tonight. Hmm, it'd be interesting. Interesting to see them. It would. Be. <coughs> um, but there'll be outgoings. I think in January. I mean, Romero, Rojo, Foster Mens has gone. You know, Jesse Lingard is held hostage, I believe, and wants to try and leave, but they won't let Ollie won't quite let him leave yet. Um, you know, there's Phil Jones, obviously, who's still hiding there in a cupboard somewhere. Isn't, isn't Steve Bruce <laughs> trying to sweep up? Isn't he still really a United spy over at Newcastle? Isn't he linked with three of them? I think Lingard, Rojo, and Romero. Oh, no, Phil Jones. I think Rojo's rumoured to go back to Boca Juniors. That's kind of his preferred option. Um, Bruce has been linked with Phil Jones and Lingard. Um, but I just want those guys off off the payroll. I want, I want I want that era of those players gone and done with. I mean, it kind of is because they're getting nowhere near the first team squad, really. Um, and you can see now there's a core group of 20 players who are in that first team squad, which we can move forward with and make the progress that we've been making. Okay. You know, United are currently... The, have the longest unbeaten run in Europe amongst the top five leagues. Well, you, you look at the look at the stats since um, since Bruno joined the team, and we are we would have won the title if you played half a season from last year and half a season from this year. Um, I've heard rumours uh, that Ramos is coming to United. I've also heard rumours that Moses Kakaido wasn't quite the uh, the, the, the Kante one hundred and one. Or two point one that that, that um, Tim Vickery was 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 claiming, and um, it also seems that Harlan's going to go to City next year, which would be shit. Yeah, I I heard about Chelsea were going to apparently go um, go balls out for him, um, but yeah, it's <clears throat> everybody be interested with Harlan in, if they can, if they can get him, but. You know, Mino Raiola is just going to play everybody off against each other. Personally, I wouldn't. I don't think we should get involved in any of that. Um, and I would be keeping very close tabs on someone like Dominic Dominic Calvert Lewin, who I think I've, for a long time said has got the potential to be a Man United number nine. You know, Cavani's there for a year, maybe two, and we'll see how that goes as the season progresses. But you know, we do. I think we're we're so close. We're so close from really getting a, a finished team. The finished team is never finished, I should say that. But um, there's a there's a lot going on with um, rumours. And there's the Ramos thing, I think, is just nonsense. You know, he's used us before to get another contract out of Real Madrid. He's just doing that again. And as much as I would like him just to annoy the Scousers, and uh, then that's not the reason for buying him, really. Chris, would you see um, Calvert-Lewin coming in down the middle with Greenwood and Rashford either side? Uh, yeah. Basically, probably I mean, so. Maybe Martial, 
I think I think Martial isn't showing the consistency for that position. And I don't think the way the football is going, I don't think he's got the physicality to play number nine. You know, mm. in the in the way that I think what we with our wingers, the way that we're playing, we do need a bit of a wall number nine mm. um, to keep us up there, and not a Firmino type number nine. Yeah, a presence. We need a presence. We really need a, a physical a physical presence up there to keep us up the pitch. Yeah. Like a little counter attacking. couldn't trap a bag of cement. Do you know what? City oh. rumors are that City are going to go all out for Lukaku. If, if, he ends, if he ends up at Man City, I'd be amazed. I'll be amazed. I mean, I read today that you know Pep's got two hundred million to spend in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I'd spend it all on Harry Kane. <laughs> I would spend it all if I had that. Oh, okay. I'd spend it all on Harry Kane. If I'm Man City with my squad, um, I'm spending it all on Harry Kane. That's Absolutely. all they need. Yeah, I mean that—that that was the thing that I thought. The the thing of just to as a sort of last thought on the yesterday's game. For me, that was the thing that I kind of I thought City are going to win this league, having seen both us and Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, City look stronger as a team at the moment, all over the pitch. But they're missing a centre forward. I mean, they've got a centre forward who's scoring goals, but Foden, <coughs> Sterling, Gundogan, they're all picked up in the last month. Stones has come back into form, and um, they haven't really played anyone in the last month. Mm. I will say that. Um, but they're looking, they're looking strong, and of course they've got a game in hand over us. So technically, if they win that, they would go above us. Um, but that physical number nine thing, I think uh, we need, and that's why I hope Cavani plays against Fulham on on Wednesday, which is you know a vital game for us to take those three points to make the draw a good one at Anfield. Which is yeah. why I think we sh- we should, if we had the chance to get Haaland, you know, I think we should get him. I really, really want to see him at Old Trafford. I think Kane would be. Uh, I think he's beyond. The- I think Harland, a twenty-year-old of that physical stature, but you know we can all dream of many things. So, games coming up. We got. Uh, we've obviously got Fulham. Would you change the team dramatically, Dan? Uh, I, I well, I I think I think Donny Van der Beek should be playing in this game. Um, I think, as Chris uh, mentioned earlier, I think this is a this is a this is a tough one because. I think Fulham um, Fulham have picked okay. up uh, a lot in the last um, in the last uh, few weeks, and you know we kind of it's one of those teams that you don't want to be playing when they're kind of getting a little bit of momentum going. So I think that's a that's a that's a real um, <clears throat> to to reach for an old cliche. It's a potential banana skin this one, and uh, I think we need to be a, you know we need to, we don't want to weaken this team too much. Um, it could be a. It's that old thing of do we maybe rest a few more against Liverpool in the in the cup? Who knows? I think I think you know we we are in with a chance of this championship, and we mustn't like we mustn't sort of take our foot off the gas now, because I think I think you're right. We, we've got a chance of this championship, and that's for me the priority. I, I think Baye will come back in for Lindelof. I think Tellez might come in for sure just because that Shaw's played quite a lot recently uh, and he, he might do that. And I think Cavani will come in up top. I don't think he'll change it much more than that. And bringing Cavani in will probably mean Martial on the bench, Rashford on the left, or maybe Rashford, Martial might start. Um, and I think he'll put Pogba in a two midfield with either Fred or McTominay. I think he'll do that. So there's probably four changes, I think, 
from uh, Sunday that might go on. The, the Tellez Shaw thing's working quite well, actually. It's, they seem to be nicely interchangeable. Whoever plays, we seem to be really strong down that left. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's from an attacking point of view, with Cavani and crosses, Tellez is much more likely to put a decent ball into the box mm. to put on his head. And so I, I like Tellez when we're playing Cavani. When we're playing Cavani. Um, because I worry where's the Cavani service going to come from, which I thought happened last week. And, he, and when he started, it was like he wasn't really getting anything in the box because Marshall and Rashford and they play intricate on the outside. They don't really um, cross the ball. So well, that's, 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 that's Mason. Let's take Mason out on the right because you get a lot of good service to win. But funnily enough, wasn't it Fulham we played when we put in the record number of crosses with Moyes? I think he was. <laughs> Craven Cottage, though, was always a good away game. I always liked to, uh, one yeah. of the only games to go to Craven Cottage. It was the, always a fun one. The, the, one of my favourite ever United goals is that Ronaldo oh, winner. Do you remember at Craven yeah. Cottage, that late winner? That is just a brilliant, brilliant one. Because that was the season, 06, 07, when we first won the league, I think. It was one of those goals, I think it was March time. It was one of those goals where you thought, oh, right, we're going to win it again this year. Last five minutes, something amazing. This is what happens. This is how you win league championships. My favourite Craven Cottage goal when I was there was Van Nistelrooy, taking on pr- pretty much from halfway line again, taking on three or four different players. That was at Old Trafford. That was at Old Trafford. No, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you why it was at Old Trafford. Because I bought a ticket off a tout outside the ground, right? And I ended up being sat with all the Fulham lot, right? <laughs> and it was the weirdest experience because Fulham, they're quite a passive group of people in comparison to others. And all the United fans were chanting at the Fulham lot. And I'm like, sat there going, but you're not me. I'm not one of them. It's not me. <laughs> and then, of course, Van Nistelrooy scores a hat-trick, I think, in that game, in that world. I couldn't get up and celebrate, which is even more annoying because I had him in my fantasy league team. Oh, that's the worst part of it. All right, well let's 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 start wrapping it up. So predictions against uh, Fulham, hard-earned victory. I'm going to uh, go three-one for me for United. Yeah. Cavani, Cavani to get uh, to get a uh, uh, bag a couple, I think. And for I'm anybody that doesn't, on our what's up chat. Um, Dan Riley is prolific when it comes to predictions for Cavani. I think you pretty much. I think you call him to the minute. So I'm putting money on if you're going for with Cavani for at least two goals. I'm putting money on it. Mine always come off. Uh, never come off for me. Chris Curley's always about one result away from earning like fifty thousand pounds. It's always <laughs> one last minute goal that screws you. Um, QPR. QPR always. Or any match I see Tony Cotia. Uh, soccer on Soccer Saturday kills my Akka. Tony Cotty on Soccer Saturday is the Akka killer. It is always <laughs> a nil-nil. Nothing happens. One time I was so annoyed at this pattern of behaviour, I tweeted Matt Letizia to find out if he could tell me where Matt where Tony Cotty was this week because he's the Akka killer. <laughs> did he respond? He actually did. Says I don't know. Tune in at twelve, and that was that's what it, that was all. It, wow. But I did get a reply <laughs> from, from um, the COVID denier. Before we go, because we didn't have a podcast last last week, we didn't get the chance to pay homage to um, one of United's greatest sons who who had his 64th birthday on January the 11th. We are, of course, talking to the man with the the smile to launch a thousand ships, 
that the man who my son is named after, Brian Robson. Chris, your final words on Brian Robson? The best. <laughs> Dan Riley, would he fit into this team? Oh, he'd fit into any team, Ben. <laughs> Younger viewers, get on YouTube for Brian Robson's goals. Yeah. He, he was when... Roy Keane and Paul Scholes combined, a one-man team that kept us going in a for a decade. But, and um... Um, I miss I miss him. I miss him. I, I loved him so much. I tried to copy his smile in my school <laughs> photographs. I had I had Brian Robson's boots as a as a as a kid, and uh, not the yeah, only balance. Um, you know the modern vernacular of talking about different DMs, number sixes, number eights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He was every type of central midfielder you can think of in one player, and I think that's what you know. I mean, people people talk about Keane, and I personally, I think Robson edges him uh, just a little bit because I think he had more he had more goals, and and that's what the game's about. He gave it everything. You tried to copy his his smile, Chris. I tried to copy his style, and I broke my leg three times playing football, and that was because of Robbo because he never shirked a tackle. And well, when, when I um I when I played five aside a while ago, and um, I dislocated my shoulder. Uh, a guy called Tim tackled me and I was going through and I went under and I popped my shoulder out and it's the closest I've ever felt to feeling like Brian Robson. <laughs> you saw the bright, the white light. I thought finally, finally, I'm a proper footballer like Robbo. There, was a, there, was, there were tears of joy as the doctor gave you that news. There, re- there really was. <laughs> It really was. I was like, oh, this happened to Robbo. I'm just like Robbo. I was 33. I was 33. I think it happened three times in a season, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, can I, one thing I've always said about Brian Robson, I'll say it again. But if Brian Robson was fit, two two things would have happened. One thing, Diego Maradona would have have never have scored that goal. And I don't mean the hand of God. Because he would have tackled him, Peter Reid would would not, would not have to work, chase him for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. Second thing is, England would have won a World Cup in either '86 or '90. They'd have won the World Cup if Brian Robson was fit, and he was unlucky with injury in, in, before those tournaments. You think about the fuss that was going on when Beckham and Rooney nearly missed tournaments, and the lack of fuss there was when Robson got injured and was out of '86 and '90, or came home from both tournaments early. <coughs> we would have won a World Cup. That's how good Brian Robson was. It's, on those, on those, the closest I ever got to, to, to Brian Robson was I shared, I think it was in the same, the same bar as Claire Tomlinson once. Um, but on that note, <laughs> I just looked it up by the way, Dan. Um, Cavani to get a brace against Fulham, thirteen to two. There you go. It's printing money. Seven to one ish. Printing well, money. Well, that is. That. He'll end up getting a hat trick well, uh, now. We'll report doing his hamstring in the warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> um, gentlemen, it's been a, plen- a pleasure. Um, Chris Curley, Dan Riley, me, Ben Paul. This has been the Man United podcast. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.